The state of disunion, folks. We've got a Biden Institute receipts drop. Yeah, that's right. I said it. the Biden Institute receipts from China, Saudi Arabia, Oman and Turkey as millions flowed through the University of Delaware. You need to listen to this episode and share it with your friends. But first, I want to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. That's humanevents.com slash Poso. The Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. It's completely free. One email just to you every day. The Poso Daily Brief, humanevents.com slash Poso. So let's get into it. We're thrilled that our very own Joe Biden, sitting right there, will serve as the founding chair of UD's Biden Institute. Our goal of the Institute is going to be to to establish an intellectual center uh, for scholars, policymakers, uh, um, activists, and, and national leaders. Uh, and uh, our mission is going to be to try to help shape and influence uh, uh, the work on some of the nation's toughest problems. And I hope it will become, and I mean this sincerely, I hope it will become a source of significant uh, pride and, uh, and some excitement here at my alma mater. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is February 7th, 2023, Anno Domine. Folks, today's a big day. It's a State of the Union day for President Biden, the State of the Union. One of the State of the Union, I'll tell you right now. The only thing you need to know about the State of the Union, you can go look on Twitter, and I've done the, the pre-bunk, and I've explained what he's going to lie about in terms of the economic numbers, the economic indicators, the fact that he is going to lie about inflation, he's going to lie about uh, the economy, he's going to lie about Americans living paycheck to paycheck, because more Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck than we've ever seen since the reporting of these numbers. We're also seeing gas prices that are on the rise, up to $4 a gallon predicted from Gas Buddy, independent uh, researchers out of this love gas buddy, by the way, huge supporter, go and check them out. But, uh, if you just want to find, you know, cheap gas in your area, but the real state of the union is this, is that when he was asked about the state of us, China relations in the wake of the balloon spying incident, the Zeppelin spying incident, our president, Joe Biden said that this incident does not change U.S.-China relations. So there you go, folks. That's the state of our union. We're owned. We are vassals. We are a client state. That doesn't necessarily mean that all of us are, that you and I are. But what it means is that our elites, that our government, our senators, our congressmen, and in this case, our president, our installed president, are owned. But just who owns President Biden? Well, we've got new numbers out of the post-millennial. China, Saudi Arabia, Oman, and Turkey gave millions to the University of Delaware after the creation of the Biden Institute. You know, the University of Delaware is one of those institutions of higher education that is known for absolutely nothing, uh, really. Or you can go look at the Ivy League, which are essentially diploma mills for the elites with uh, with huge, massive hedge funds attached to them called their entitlement programs. It's actually kind of funny because if you think about it, 
from Harvard's perspective. So we remember the the cheating scandal, the Harvard cheating scandal that came out a couple of years ago. And you saw the amounts of the bribes that were going into admissions. And the thing that was hilarious for me was that the amount of the bribes that were going in weren't really that much more money or in some cases far, far less than Harvard actually made in terms of its daily uh, investment structure when it came to <laughs> when it came to their endowment. So it's like, guys, you're, you're, you're not even charging top dollar for this thing. You're not even charging market rate. You need to go in and look at your bribery. You need to look at the situation here. That's, of course, why they're running this quota system currently for uh, Asians and others, uh, particularly middle Americans, and that if you, you know, if you come from the wrong country, if you're the wrong ethnicity, you're not going to be allowed in, but they don't care. So let's look at the University of Delaware. What does the University of Delaware tell us? Well, since 2017 and the founding of the Biden Institute, you know, the Biden Institute, they're known for their great work of, you know, the work that they do that we all, we all love to, to see. They had that I, I've got nothing. We, they, they don't do anything. But the University of Delaware has received $23 million from Saudi Arabia, $6.7 million from the People's Republic of China, and $2.5 million from Oman, as well as $1.6 million from Turkey. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? And this just comes from Department of Education records. Uh, Postmodel continues, this is President Joe Biden's domestic policy think tank led by his sister, Valerie Biden. And it was established by, you'll love this, the University of Delaware's Joseph R. Biden Jr. School of Public Policy and Administration. You know, I think that that President Biden is actually trying to go and the Biden family in general, they're trying to give Lyndon Baines Johnson a run for their money as to who could be the most corrupt public servant in US history, who can be the one who makes the most money by cashing out on their family's political connections while they're in office. So LBJ is currently number one, currently number one, but we will see, we'll see. Remember, LBJ started out, he was a congressman, he was senator, and then he became president. He's the only person who's done that. We know how he became president. He did an interesting podcast with Roger Stone about all, all about how Lyndon Baines Johnson made sure that he would become president. Now, he was extremely wealthy by the end of his career. But what did he start his career as? He was a high school history teacher. So how do you go from a high school history teacher, spend your entire life in government, and become one of the wealthiest presidents in U.S. history? Well, must just have a, a knack for it. And, and President Biden, his family, they're on the exact same track. So we've seen this. You, you see this, by the way, with many other failing and collapsing empires towards the end. You see the buying off of their politicians and of their leaders by rich, empowered foreign interests. This idea that you will become wealthy by selling out your country and that using your power, your imprimatur, your ability to make decisions as a way to affect change and, and beneficial change and beneficial policies for those foreign nations. That's exactly what we're seeing now, ladies and gentlemen, and we've got the numbers to prove it. And like I said, the collapse of complex systems, the collapse of an empire. Do you ever get the feeling that the world is being held together with duct tape? Because I do. Every day we're throwing some meaningless drama and fake news to distract us from the reality that we are all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, global military conflicts, the disintegration of our most trusted institutions, Chinese spy balloons, and the looming food shortage, 
preparedness is no longer a choice. They're talking about nuclear weapons and the use of them as well as hypersonic missiles every single day now. You must be ready. And you can trust My Patriot Supply for this. Their three-month emergency food kit comes packed with tasty, and I do mean tasty, breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, snacks. The average is over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one kit for each person in your family, and self-reliance is the only alternative to long government food lines. Time is running out. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save 200 bucks on your three-month emergency food kit while you can. These kits are in stock. They're ready to ship fast and free. They arrive in unmarked boxes for your safety and privacy. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next crisis strikes. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. I have no immediate plans to contact Mr. Putin. Mr. Putin is, let me choose my words very carefully. I'm prepared to speak with Mr. Putin if, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war. He hasn't done that yet. If that's the case, in consultation with my French and my NATO friends, I'll be happy to sit down with Putin to see what he wants, has in mind. He hasn't done that yet. In the meantime, I think it's absolutely critical what Emmanuel said. We must support the Ukrainian people. The idea that Putin is ever going to defeat Ukraine is beyond comprehension. So there was a story out of Newsweek, believe it or not, on the Ukraine-Russia conflict that really didn't get a lot of attention. And they reported it based on a Swiss newspaper's report of dialogue that apparently had been going on between, you know, through back channels, et cetera, between Biden and Putin over trying to find a way to come to an end to the conflict in Ukraine. And if you've listened to some of the reports that, is, that have been coming out lately, or just paid any basic attention to the headlines, I think people understand that this isn't just a conflict between Ukraine and Russia, and it hasn't been from the start, that it is a conflict between NATO and Russia. Now, it just so happens that the role of NATO soldiers in this case is being played by the people of Ukraine, by military-aged males of the Ukrainian state. But we've gotten to the point now where the tanks, the material, Potentially even we're hearing Air Force because they're now asking for F-16s, American F-16s to be sent over, are all being supplied by NATO. And so the question is, has this always been about NATO and Russia and Ukraine just a convenient uh, staging ground or a conflict point for all of it? Now, of course, we just did a huge special with Raheem Kassam talking all about that and also talking about the money washing that is being done to the U.S. taxpayers and the U.S. tax base through this area. Of course, we just talked in the last segment about how President Biden has been using this as part of his family business for years and years and years. Keep in mind that Burisma was a huge part of the Biden family portfolio when he was vice president. Let's not also forget Victor Pinchuk. Victor Pinchuk, who was the single largest donor to the Clinton Foundation in Ukraine in general, was the largest country uh, that was the sender 
donor to the Clinton Foundation. So we've got the Biden Institute, the Clinton Foundation. I love all the different names, right? So this piece out of, out of Newsweek, it says that Biden offered Putin 20% of Ukraine. What? Right? Um, now, of course, um, the White House is completely denying this. Uh, this newspaper out of, out of Switzerland was, is called NZZ. They're saying this is not accurate. Uh, the CIA denies it. Well, if the CIA denies it, then I'm sure it's definitely not happening. If there's anyone's word that you know you can take to the bank, it's the CIA. And so, of course, we knew, and even the Washington Post had reported this, that the director of the CIA had just made a secret trip to Kiev ahead of this announcement on tanks. And some people are actually saying that the fact that this 20% deal didn't go through is the reason that served as the impetus for the U.S. agreeing to send M1 Abrams tanks over, as well as the Germans sending the Leopard 2 tanks, and you're seeing other NATO nations send tanks over. But the question is then, the question for all of us, I think, is are we embarking into a long war in this? Because, of course, the RAND Corporation has come out, and even them, they are a centrist, quote-unquote, uh, neoliberal, neoconservative think tank in Washington, D.C., one of the most highly sought after think tanks when it comes to our foreign policy setters in DC, the ones who were all for Afghanistan and Iraq when they were going on. And even they are saying, do not do this. Do not go into this long war. At the same time, as we are escalating with China, because they understood the same thing that John Mearsheimer, Dr. Mearsheimer has been saying from day one. We cannot escalate two conflicts at the same time. We are in a hot proxy war in Ukraine, and they are trying to escalate a hot proxy war in Taiwan. A two-front global crisis could kick off, and that would spell disaster for absolutely everyone. This is why I have always said that the answer to China is decoupling. The answer is economic. The answer is to go after the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the elites that are making money off of this thing. If you've listened to this show, I, I urge you to go back into episode after episode after episode. You will not find me once saying that we should fire anything into China. That being said, if China is going to send spy zeppelins and skyships over U.S. airspace, then you better believe, you absolutely better believe that we should blow them out of the sky minute one. And that's obviously what should have been done. And that's completely different from saying that we should achieve deterrence with China on the high seas, deterrence vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan, deterrence vis-a-vis -vis any type of conflict. Of course, we want peace. We want stabilized peace, but there's a way to get there and it's not in what we're doing now. It's the same thing with Ukraine. The people of Ukraine that are caught in the middle of this, the families, the kids, those are the ones suffering. Now, the former prime minister of Israel, Naftali Bennett, came out and gave a very stark, frank interview uh, on a podcast that he was doing back home in Israel. And he says that Ukraine and Russia at one point in March of 22, just one month after the whole thing kicked off, were looking at a peace deal. And that Russia was going to relinquish some of their claims in the east, but not to Crimea. They were going to pull back troops. 
and that Zelensky was going to renounce membership in NATO. And who came out and shut down the whole thing? Well, according to Naftali Bennett, it was the United States. It was President Biden. And then, of course, Boris Johnson went over there. And we've reported before how Boris Johnson shut down the whole thing as well. Remember, they were meeting in Turkey. They were doing all this, all this work. And so should it surprise us that both sides now are digging in because it turns out that the diplomatic path was shut down, not by Ukraine and not by Russia, but by our own government, by our own leaders who apparently have been lying to us the entire time. lives matter. Do they? Well, apparently that's what the protesters, or should I say occupiers of the transurrection. Yes, that was yesterday at the Oklahoma State House where they stormed the state capitol and tried to stop the passage of a new Senate bill that's been proposed that would criminalize genital mutilation procedures for anyone under the age of 26. It's called the Millstone Act. I love that. The Millstone Act. We should have the Millstone Act federally. We should have the Millstone Act in all 50 states. Well, people are saying, wait a minute, why is it 26? Why didn't they just say 18? Well, it's obviously trolling from the Obamacare age of, I think you'd be 26, you grew up, you're considered a youth on your parents' uh, healthcare. Well, then if you're on your parents' healthcare, then you're not old enough to choose your own elective genital mutilation surgery. <clears throat> so we have an interesting video here for a number of reasons. And, you know, producer Angelo had some, had some pretty lukewarm takes on this saying, oh, you know, it's, it's bad. We shouldn't allow this. We should ban this. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. I get it. But I had, I had, some, I had some better takes <laughs> where my thought was, Oklahoma? Really? You have to understand how far the left has gone in this. How much the left is driving this stuff home in red state, red America. Because thanks to the internet, these types of activists, these types of beliefs, these types of values that used to only be found in places like I don't know, Brooklyn or San Francisco, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. They're in your child's school. They're on TV shows. They're on YouTube. They're everywhere. And here you have a state, Oklahoma, red governor, conservative governor, conservative legislature. But remember, the same governor, as we talked about with Sean Fitzgerald, refused to sign, refused to carry out the sentencing for Julius Jones, who had been sentenced to capital punishment, but because of a pressure campaign from the far left, the injustice hoax, the injustice project, 
he decided to let them off. Now, we we assume, or we've heard, I should say, that Governor Stitt will stand up to this. But what's really going on here? Now, I'm sure, by the way, that a, a bunch of these people are, are bussed in from, from lib areas. That's fine. But you're seeing this more and more where people are moving in to places like Oklahoma, places like North Carolina, places like uh, Tennessee. And they're bringing their liberal values with them, but at the same time kind of adopting uh, conservative, or I should even just say rural type aesthetics. And this gives us rise to what we call the hick lib. And let me explain what the hick lib is. The hick lib is the guy who will sit there with, you know, an ax for chopping wood over his shoulder. And he's got the perfectly quaffed long beard and his eyebrows are done just so right. And his hair is perfectly done. And he's wearing flannel and he's saying, hey, don't let me catch you doing any of that racism and bigotry out there. Don't let me catch you doing any of that denying trans kids of their rights. And then they'll go and like, you know, as they're as they're cleaning their AR-15 or something. And it's it's, by the way, a complete psyop. And Google at one point even admitted to Congress, Sundar Pinchai admitted under Congress in a uh, under oath in Congress that they were driving people to this type of content. They were finding people who had that quote unquote Southern aesthetic, but progressive values and were trying to drive people to their content rather than actually let people see the kind of content that they were searching for. So they've created this entire astroturfed movement called the Hicklib. And you see it all the time. You see it constantly. People saying, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live off the land and I'm gonna be a homesteader. And okay, that's fine. But at the same time, they never stand up for traditional values. They never stand up for anything. They repeat false lies about Black Lives Matter, about police officers, about crime statistics in this country. They'll repeat all the regurgitated propaganda of the left. And there's another reason for that too, because Black Lives Matter, which of course started under the Obama administration, we can never, ever separate those two, that the identity politics era, which I believe began in Obama's second term, it created a market. It created a marketplace for identities. And they showed a path to political, cultural, and economic capital, value, power, influence, wealth, through the power of identity and quote unquote, speaking out for that identity, becoming the champion of that identity, becoming the champion of these, uh, ethnic, cultural, gender type ethnicities or identities. And so because of that, you now, with BLM being kind of dormant, uh, even, even for Tyree Nichols, you know, there was some marching, but it was very diminished. And so now you have a new movement called Trans Lives Matter. And there's going to be the Trans Lives Matter lobby, and there's going to be the Trans Lives Matter rallies. You're, you can already see this and see where it's going. They've created a new identity. The left is going to continue to do this. And at the same time, they're going to co-opt people like the Hick Libs, in order to bring them on. And so what it is, it's a Pied Piper movement. They sidle up to you and say, hey, this is just freedom. You know, they can repeat some sort of libertarian type talking points and say, well, you know, it's, 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 it's what the founding fathers would have wanted. And that's why, dear listener, the Hick Lib is not just an opponent. The Hick Lib 
is a traitor. The Hicklib is a snake, is poison. Because as Cicero told us, the traitor is someone who is not at your gates opposing you. The traitor is someone who is in your midst, who speaks your languages, who uses your phrases, and then turns your own citizens against you. And this, oh yes, this represents the issue of the Hicklibs. Because I guarantee you will see this. You will see this very same uh, sort of quasi post hipster identity, sharpening their axes, quaffing their beards, oiling their guns, and demanding that you protect trans kids now. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.